If you could turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word of God? Luke 17, 11 through 19. Here is the word of God. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. God, we thank you for gathering us on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Every Sunday should be our opportunity to offer our grateful heart to you in worship, but especially on this day, because we are prone to forget and prone to take credit for what you have done in us. This Sunday, at least today, we will give thanks to you. Our hope and desire, our yearning is that you will be glorified and honored for all that he, you have done for us. We rely on your grace. We depend on your blessing. As we look into your word on this day, fill your, uh, fill your people's heart with your word. The word that we need to hear. The word that we need to hear in order for us to mature, for us to grow. Bless us with your truth. Be with your servant. Be with your people. Again, we pray for your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, happy Thanksgiving Sunday. And I want to bless you as your pastor. I want to bless you in the name of the Lord that your hearts and your minds will be filled with gratitude. That your hearts and minds will be filled with genuine heartfelt gratitude towards God, towards your King, towards your Lord for all that He has done. As you spend this upcoming week, I know you can be busy, count His blessing, what He has done for you for this year. And as you do, I pray that your hearts and mind will be filled with gratitude. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're going to look at the story. 
um, the story that is obviously really about gratitude. We're going to look at the story that is really about the authentic, real, true, heartfelt gratitude. And I want to tell you that this gratitude, this type of gratitude is the only response, only proper response whenever God's mercy, whenever God's unmerited grace falls on any one of us. This is the only reaction. This is the only kind of response from the people who truly experienced God's glory in their lives, God's goodness in their lives, His faithfulness in their lives. So, let's take a look at this story. It begins in verse 11. It says Jesus was passing along the area between Samaria and Galilee. And he is on his way to Jerusalem. Now here is Jesus passing through this kind of area, place that is not Samaria, and it is not Galilee. It is not the um, area congregated by half-Jews, these half-Jews, Jewish people, long ago, intermarried, um, non-Jews. Those are Samaritans. Those are the Samaritans. And then here is Galilee, obvious Jewish city. And Jesus was passing along this space, in between space, and there they were. Ten lepers. They were living in this no man's land. Why were they in this place? They're, well, why are they not in Galilee? Why are they not in Samaria? Because they were lepers. They were not welcome in either region. Leprosy probably was one of the most tragic diseases of the ancient times. Not only this was an incurable disease at that time that disfigures the body, but also the disease made it impossible for these people to have normal life, have any potential relationship with any healthy, normal people. It is just not possible. Just to give you idea about leprosy and their type of life, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46 says about them. It says, the person who has such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. This is what they have to wear. Their clothes has to be torn. Let his hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of his face like a mask. And they have to cry out, unclean, unclean. If they see healthy, normal people or person approaching, coming near to their vicinity, what do they have to do? They have to shout. They are the one letting the healthy people know. It's by law, by rule, they have to do this. They have to shout, wearing this obviously notable clothing and upkeeping of their body to let other people know that they are lepers. But if that person does not catch that, it is within their duty that they have to shout out, unclean, 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 until that person notices. And continue in verse 46, as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. 
He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. That's the life. That's the life for the lepers. And that is why they are in this in-between place. They're not in Samaria. They're not in Galilee. This is, imagine, just no life to live. Right? These men could not get married, obviously. And if they were married and they contract this disease, they had to leave their families behind. No wife, no children, no siblings, no parents, no friends whatsoever. They lost all connections to humanity. They were outcasts. That is why they were living in this remote place, away from civilization, away from everyone else. That's verse 11. Look at verse 12 and 13. As Jesus was entering into a village, he's not in the village, is it? No. As he was entering into a village, not yet, but from a distance, 10 lepers lifted up their voices. They shouted, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have pity, have mercy, have compassion on us. You see, somehow these lepers heard. They got this intel that Jesus was passing along. On his way, he will surely pass where we are. So they camped out. And surely Jesus was passing through the area, passing by them. And they realized with that intel, this was their chance. For the 10 lepers, this was their chance. Somehow they could appeal to Jesus. Somehow they can be healed because they can go into town. They can be in front of Jesus, along with his disciples, in person, asking, pleading for this mercy. He can. They can't. So from a distance, when they finally saw him, what did they do? They shouted. With everything they got, they called out to Jesus. Because it was their one and only chance. Nothing works. This is incurable. As it is currently constituted in their body, this is how they're going to live and die. Jesus was the only hope. So they shouted. And it was definitely a desperate plea from their heart. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have pity on us. Not once. Until Jesus would hear. Until Jesus would stop. Until Jesus, they will gain Jesus' attention. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Jesus, Nazareth. He, they will call. Shout. Non-stop. It's just once here in the text. But imagine, this is not over-exaggeration here. Jesus. Master, have pity on us. Look at verse 14. What happened? When he saw them, in order for Jesus to see them, what happened? Their cry, their plea, their shout reached Jesus' ear, right? It stopped Jesus and it 
turned Jesus and he gazed upon them. Verse 14, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go. Why don't you guys go? Show yourself to the priests. They asked for pity. They asked for compassion. And I tell you, they've got it. It doesn't sound like it, but let me explain. They got pity. Jesus heard their desperate plea. Jesus saw where they were living. Jesus understood no one wanted them. No one cared for them. And with his compassion, what's Jesus' response to these people? Go. Show yourselves to the priests. Go and be free from this miserable disease. Be free. But then some of you are thinking, wait, there's a problem here. What's the problem? What happened? Are they healed? Are they healed? They're not healed yet. They still have leprosy. Yes, Jesus said, go and show themselves to the priest. Why? Why do they show them to the priest? This is the rule. This is the, this is Leviticus also. You go and show yourself to the priest because priests are the one with power and authority to examine the leper examine that they are completely healed and they're the one that could pronounce them, this lepers, to be clean. Not unclean, unclean, unclean. Clean for the final, for the final time. In a long time. So that they will be, priests will be the one allowing them to rejoin the society. That is why Jesus said, go. See the priest. Priest who has human authority to allow you to rejoin your families and friends and be normal and healthy again. But what's the problem? They still look the same. At this point, they still look the same. Nothing has changed on their body. Their skin. Everything looked the same. So if they were to walk into a town, if they were to find a priest with the current condition, what happens to them? They'll be thrown out. That's being polite. What happens? They will be stoned potentially to death. There's a risk here. When Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest, there is a risk because nothing has changed. Leprosy still exists on their body. But that's exactly what Jesus wanted them to do in order to have what? Have faith. To have I would even argue they already have faith. Listen, they had faith in order to wait 
because they heard about Jesus, who he was and what he has done, all the miracles that he had performed. They believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. They heard about him and they camped out there. They're all in on Jesus. They sought after Jesus. They called upon him because they had faith on what they heard about Jesus, right? They had faith to come to Jesus. But now, do they have faith in Jesus to take him at his word and go to the priest even though they were still leprous? Folks, this was not an easy decision. For you and I, as we read this, this is no-brainer. But if you live that life however long as lepers, they experienced discrimination, obviously. They were stoned few times to death. It's no joke. It's like we experienced some of those things during the COVID season and people breathing on someone and not wearing masks. You know what happened to our society during that time? Imagine that happens to you. You are the leper. This is not easy. When Jesus said, go, show yourselves, walk into a town. Probably in the middle of the town, there is a synagogue. There is a temple. And you show yourselves? It takes faith. Because this is not easy. As I said, this action came with great, huge risk. Potentially risking their lives. But as we read, in faith, they went. They went. They overcame the visible reality. Nothing healed. That's the visible reality, right? They overcame the common sense. I am going to be stoned. And they trusted in faith, trusted Jesus' words. They take Jesus at his word and they went. They began their journey to the priests. They take this action, took this action of turning. They were shouting, right? Heard Jesus. They turned from Jesus and start walking towards wherever those priests were. That action, that beginning of that journey itself, I tell you, is their profession of faith. It's their declaration of faith. Jesus, I, I believe what you say. So they turn and they start walking towards the priest, just like Jesus said. And this is called faith in action. You have faith? Show me your faith. Even devils, even Satan believes that God exists. Show me your faith by what you do, James. All over that first chapter and second chapter. This is faith in action. This is what Jesus was looking for. Grace point. Church. Look. Faith is not just your feeling in your heart. 
faith is not some sort of a conviction in your heart. It's more than your feeling, more than your conviction. True faith, the complete whole faith comes with action. You know the truth. You believe the truth. Now you act upon what you know and believe. That's faith. You cannot separate these elements. You need to hear in order to know. You need to believe what you know. And you're going to practice, live out what you know and believe. And then it is faith. Amen? That's faith. And you see it here. So what happened to them? As they went, I don't know. Luke does not say how far, how many yards, how many miles. But as they went, as they they believe and trust in Jesus' word, as they were going towards wherever the priests were, even though they were not completely healed yet, what happened? God blessed their faith and healed. Healing occurred. The father came and begged for his son's life. Centurion came for his dear friend, which, who was a servant, and asked for his Jesus' pity on them. What happened? Go. I will save him. Why don't you say the word and my servant will be healed? And they went home, didn't they? And as they go, the faith in action, son was healed, his servant was healed. As they were walking towards the priest, they were healed. Miracle happened. Church, I tell you, if you ever wonder, how do I experience God's power in my life? How do I, how do I experience God's miracle in my life? Right here, right here. Right here. In this world. You know how. This is how. When you walk by faith. When you walk by faith. When you take an action with faith, you trust his words more than your words. That is when God demonstrates his power in your life. Amen. Walk by faith. Walk by faith in God's word rather than your feeling, rather than your logic, rather than other people's opinions. Walk by faith rather than your visible current reality. This will never work. And if you say that, no matter what God promised and however long he promised and demonstrated his faithfulness, you dismiss it in your own level and you walk away. That will never, you will never experience God's blessing. In the magnitude as such as this. I pray, I bless you in the name of the Lord that you will walk by faith. Amen? Take him at his word. He's not a con artist. He's not like us giving false promises. He delivers. So they all went and they were all healed on their way to see the priest. 
So by God's amazing grace and his mercy on these people, the people with no hope of future, people with no future life to live a normal life, were given a brand new life. They could finally be normal. They could finally live like a normal human beings, be loved and loved again. They have that opportunity. Tremendous gift. Now we get to the heart of the story. Now, verse 15 and 16. What does it say? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, it says now, but it is actually but. But he was a Samaritan. Surprise. One of them returned, but this was Samaritan. One of the men happens to be a Samaritan with leprosy. As he was walking along with the other nine, he realized something happened to their body, his body. He's healed. Now, what did he do? As soon as he realized his body was healed, the skin is smooth, all the disease were gone, he stopped and he turned back. He turned around. Why? Because he does not want to see the priest anymore. He wants to see Jesus. Look at how he came back now. He stopped as soon as he realized he didn't speed up to see the priest. He stopped, turned to face Jesus, however far away he was, and he started going towards Jesus. And how's the, look at the manner of his return. It says he was praising God with a loud voice. Let's use our imagination. How was he? How loud was he? What was he saying? Praise God. Look what Jesus has done. Jesus of Nazareth has done this for me. Where is my Lazarus? Look at my torn clothes. Look at my hair. Look at my mask I was wearing. I was unclean, but I am clean. I am telling you, this is what happened to me. Praise God. Thank you, God. Whole way. His skin completely free of disease. Totally clean, totally smooth. Imagine how joyful he was, how excited he was, how happy he might have been. Just imagine that. All the sorrow, all the pain, all the discrimination, all the heartache, that he experienced up to this time, however long that was, all gone. It's gone. It's, it's afterthought. At this point, the only thing he wanted to do was what? Turn around and see the healer. He wanted to see Jesus. For this Samaritan, returning to Jesus, praising Him, giving thanks to Him for this amazing miracle was on His mind. There is nothing else. So, 
as loud as he could. However long it took for him to reach Jesus, this was him. And when he was there, fell flat on the ground. I am nothing. I am dead. I am no one before you. Face down, flat before Jesus, giving thanks to him. Now we need to look at verse 17 and 18. This is Jesus' reaction. This is Jesus' raw, immediate reaction to the Samaritan. Look at it. Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return? No one decided, no one had desire to return and give praise to God except this boy, Samaritan. You know how Jewish people look down upon Samaritans? Like they were not even second class citizens, they were like dogs. They consider him just like lepers. Unclean, unholy, unrighteous. They mix with these unclean race. Now, as you see that, Jesus' remark, his response, imagine what Jesus was feeling. Think about it. Was he disappointed? Was Jesus, do you think, frustrated? The fact that there is only one here, and that was Samaritan at that. Because there were Jewish lepers, obviously implied in here. Was Jesus disappointed? What do you think? Was Jesus frustrated? I would even argue he might be borderline angry about this. Wouldn't you be? What you and I can draw from these two verses is this. You can clearly draw out that Jesus expected all ten lepers to be in front of his feet. Right? Is that a stretch? Where are the ten? I know for a fact there were ten shouting it. You know, he can count, you know. Where are the nine? To make it crystal clear for us, where are the nine? No one found. No one see to it in his heart that it is right for them to return to the Lord, the source of their healing, and give praise to God, give thanks to God. Jesus clearly expected all ten lepers to return, praising God, giving thanks to Him, like who? This Samaritan. And I tell you, this is what God desires from us as well. Guys, look, this is what your God desires from you. He expects us to express our gratitude, our thankfulness to the Lord for all that He has done, all that He continued to do and He will do in our lives. This is what He expects out of us. This is why Paul 
in numerous times in different letters. For example, Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always for all things, regardless how tiny it was, how great it was. Give thanks to the Lord for all things. You recognize His hand upon you, His grace upon you. He made this happen. You give thanks to God. This is not a suggestion from Paul to the Ephesian church. This is command. Give thanks always for all things. This is what God expects from His own people when He showers them with His grace and mercy. This is what we have to do. If you are indebted, if you received His blessing, not a thought, not a feeling, not a sentiment that you have towards God, but you show you say, you take an action that show your grateful heart to God. That's what we have here. That's something that I want you to take it to your heart on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Show your gratitude. Where were nine? Now, at this point, let's talk about the nine because we can't just ignore them, right? Where are the nine? Why aren't they there? Where are the nine? We don't know exactly. The Bible does not talk about it exclusively in detail manner, but you and I can speculate. We can take a guess, wild guess. This is what might have happened to the nine. I'm sure they too, just like the Samaritan, were filled with joy and excitement, right? They realize it's all clean. They're healed completely. This Jesus thing, this faith in Jesus' work worked. It worked. Now they are healthy. Now they are normal. They're filled with joy and excitement. But unlike the Samaritan, there are exciting thoughts. There are Joyful thoughts were not directed to who? To God. These thoughts were not directed. It's not about God. What were they thinking? In their joyful, exciting state, they were probably thinking about how wonderful it would be for the, for the first time stand before the priest and he examines it. I got no shame and he will declare that I'm clean. They are thinking, imagining that he will let me rejoin the society. And I could, they were thinking in their joy. I could hug my wife. I could embrace my parents. I could sit with my friends and have a meal. I could enjoy these things of this world once again. What were they thinking? The things, what they can enjoy, their thoughts, their joyful, exciting thoughts were not towards God, but about themselves. In the midst of their joy and excitement, they have forgotten. They have forgotten the healer. In the midst of their joy and excitement, 
They have forgotten the giver of this precious gift. Because their joy and excitement were inwardly focused, self-focused. They were on, their thoughts were ungrateful. Rather than grateful, rather than God-focused. How can they do this? You might say. How could they? What happened? Because of they, their thoughts were just self-serving. Not about God, but it was serving themselves. What happened? They disappointed Jesus. And it gets worse for them. Healing was there. They were completely healed. But look at verse 19. This is what they missed out. Jesus said to them, Rise and go your way to the Samaritan. Rise and go your way. Now, rise and go. Really show yourself to the priest, right? Your faith has made you well. Is he not well already? Physically, he is. But emotionally, spiritually, the nine missed out on this. Your faith made you whole. This was the reality, folks. What was the reality of the story? Only one. The other nine out of ten did not return to Jesus to give thanks to him, to praise God. The reality was Jesus was not on their mind. Their healer was not on their mind. If he was not on their mind, immediately when that occurred, guess what? Month from now? Years from now, do you, you think that will occur? As shocking as it sounds, as sad it is for us to witness, this was the reality. But what if this is your reality? Folks, what if this is us, the nine? What if this is our Reality. What if we are one of the nine? What if we are the 90%, the majority of people who experience God's grace, who experience God's salvation, God's healing, God's restoration, God's blessing, His provision in your life, His answer prayers, you experience His miracle, small and big in your life. What if you are the one who would not return to the source, to the healer, to the Lord, to give thanks in order to praise Him? What if that's our reality? What if this is your reality? That you would not think about the Lord who blessed you. That you would not stop and turn. And you would return at the feet of Jesus 
and praise Him and give thanks. Not just cliche, not just a line, but from here. You know, you can defend the nine. We can try. Maybe they were feeling thankful. They were really. They were really thankful to the Lord. They were feeling thankful that they could return to their family, return to their old ways and be normal again. They were feeling thankful to the Lord. But according to Jesus, I tell you, according to our Lord, that is not how you properly respond to God's grace. Where were the nine? There were ten. Outside of the Samaritan, they did not find to be it is right. It is proper to come back to the Lord and give thanks. This is not how you thank God. This is a lesson. This is not how you thank God. It's not subjective. You do not determine how you thank God. You thank God by putting him first. You thank God by demonstrating your utmost respect. True thankfulness produces authentic, heartfelt gratitude that will cause you to stop and recognize. Amen? You stop and recognize. And you say, you give, you kneel, you flat on your ground and you say, you let everyone know this was not you, not your work, not your credit. That's how you give thanks. They were healed. I'm sure they were well. But physical healing is not just what we are after. Our emotional, our spiritual, complete healing and restoration. That's what we desire. Just like the Samaritan, if you tasted, I challenge you, if you truly tasted the goodness of Lord Jesus Christ, if you truly live and experience His joy and peace in your life, His blessing, His grace in your life, then you come back to Jesus and you give thanks to him and you praise him for all that he has done because this is the proper authentic true way of giving thanks amen amen don't miss out on this he is going to be faithful and merciful to you and he will respond to your cry but when you get his blessing, do not harden, do not forget. This is essentially what the Israelites were doing in the Judges too. Ungrateful, stiff-necked, complaining people. Because they have no grateful heart in them. Because if you do, you will not dare to look at any other God. Jesus said, where were? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? 
if you hear Jesus' voice, will you be the one? Will you be one of the nine? If God, the Spirit, convicts you in any way on this Thanksgiving service worship, let's live, act accordingly to the Word. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Word. Thank you that you are faithful God. You never, you will never abandon us. You will never forsake us. You keep your word. You keep your promise. And no matter how backsliding and forgetful and hard-headed we have been, Lord, when we cry out to you, you reach out, you turn, you give your undivided full attention and you take pity on us you bless us with your grace which we do not deserve it takes faith for us to experience your power it takes that step into unknown might have to take that step into water in order to walk on that water to experience that supernatural power of God. God, I pray that you will help us to walk by faith. Take you at your word and act, live by faith. And as we experience your blessing, your presence, undeserving blessing in our lives, the moment we realize it, Lord, help us to stop. Help us to get down on our knees. Recognize you. Recognize the giver, the healer, the savior, the Lord. Because that's what we are to do. That is the proper response as your people for your blessing. So God, Help us to take this message to our hearts. Because without your grace, we're nothing, we're no one. We need your grace. We need your blessing. Every day, every moment. And as we receive it, give us eyes to recognize your hand. And give proper thanks to you. Lord, once again, we thank you for your provision over your church. Thank you that you made a way for us to gather and continue to gather and serve you. I pray that you would bless each and every family and their individual goals and their dreams and desires. God, I pray that you would continue to be the Lord of their lives. Bless them. And help them, Lord, truly understand who they are and who you are in their lives and give heartfelt, authentic thanksgiving to you. Let us enjoy the rest of our fellowship and may you be the Lord of all things. Father, we thank you once again. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.